0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. This is your host, Jared Dawkins here. I hope all of you out there are being safe. I hope all of you out there are continuing to socially distance yourselves and wear your mask, regardless of whether you're vaccinated or not. We're all still in the middle of a pandemic. I just want all of you out there to be smart and be safe and not be stupid. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we had we have we had a hell of an NFL football weekend, according to a lot of people, and I probably would more than likely agree. This was the best football weekend probably in pro football history. So with that, let's get started. The Cincinnati Bengals go into Tennessee and knock off the Tennessee Titans 19-16 on an Evan McPherson game-winning field goal. The Green Bay Packers go into Lambeau and knock off the Packers with a Robbie Gold 13, uh, game-winning field goal and the Packers win 13-10. to The Los Angeles Rams Go into Tampa and knock off Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, 30 to 27 on a Matt Gay game-winning field goal, and in and in in and in in my opinion, what was the game of the year? The Kansas City Chiefs knock off Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills in overtime on a Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey 42-yard uh, 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 game-winning touchdown pass, and the Chiefs win that game 42 to 36 but I want to talk about Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans really, really quickly. Tennessee lost this game simply because of Ryan Tannehill. It wasn't because of Derek Henry who rushed, who rushed 20 times for 62 yards and a touchdown. It wasn't because of AJ Brown who caught five, who caught five balls for 142 yards and a touchdown. And it, and it was not because of the Tennessee Titans defense who only gave up one big play, the entire game, and that was a 57 yard pass, a 57 yard screen pass to Jamar Chase, and who sacked Joe Burrow nine times. So it wasn't on the Tennessee Titans, it wasn't on A.J. Brown, it wasn't on Derrick Henry. Okay. I'm going to say that again. It wasn't on the Tennessee Titans defense. It wasn't on A.J. Brown, and it wasn't on Derrick Henry. This game was all simply on Ryan Tannehill. When you throw a pick to start the game, when you throw a pick at the beginning of the first half, and when you throw a pick to end the game, you are the reason why your team lost that game, period. And the reason why that last interception was the worst out of them all was because it, it happened at midfield. And not only that, he threw, and not only that, Tannehill threw it into triple coverage. or Well, actually, no, screw that. He threw it into quadruple coverage, and he threw it to a receiver who he really doesn't have chemistry with in Westbrook-Akina, which eventually led to Joe Burrow and Cincinnati only needing one big-time throw on offense to put their team in, in, in position to win the game. And that's exactly what the hell happened. And Cincinnati ended up winning that game and going to the AFC Championship game on an Evan McPherson game-winning field goal. But, oh, and also really, really quickly, I almost forgot, there's another reason why Tennessee lost this game. You can't lose this game, in the you can't win the game in the fourth quarter, but you can damn sure, or lo- oh, excuse me, you can't lose a game in the first quarter, but you can damn sure lose it in the first quarter. The other reason why Tennessee lost this game was because of the simple fact that when, Tennessee scored a touchdown to tie the game at six on a Derrick Henry rushing touchdown, and they decided to go for two. That that also came back to bite Tennessee in the behind, too. So that's another reason. Next up, the, Cincinnati, the San Francisco 49ers took on the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay lost this game for three reasons. Number 1, this their special teams is terrible. Number 2, Aaron Rodgers does not trust any other receiver on that football team to catch passes from him outside of Devontae Adams. And number 3, when Aaron when AJ Dillon left that game with a chest injury, Green Bay's ability to cons- to consistently run the football went out the window after that. Okay? It went out the window after that. So, you had you had Green Bay's ability to not run the ball consistently because of AJ Dillon leaving the game, Aaron Rodgers' ability to not trust other receivers outside of Devontae Adams, and Green Bay's special teams is it, it, all three of those all three of those reasons are why Green Bay lost that football game. And not only that, I want to talk about San Francisco's defense very very quickly. San Francisco's defense absolutely suffocated Green Bay's offense. They only gave up one big play in this entire game. One big play. And that was a 75 yard wheel route pass from Aaron Jones to, I'm sorry, from Aaron Rodgers to Aaron Jones. Outside of that one big play, outside of that one big play, San Francisco's defense put an imprint on this game. And this is when you knew they put their signature imprint on this game. Late in the fourth quarter, after. San Francisco had blocked the punt and returned it for a touchdown to tie the game at 10. San Francisco put rookie cornerback Dante Johnson and rookie safety Halanoa Hufanga on Devontae Adams to literally double team him on a, on a 45 to 50 or 50 plus yard post route down the middle of the field when Aaron Rodgers tried a desperation heave and it did not work. That's when you knew San Francisco put their imprint on this, put in, put their imprint on this football game. But not only that, San Francisco's defense reminds me of those mid to late two thousands. Indianapolis Colts defenses where they had average to below average cornerback play, but they had Bob Sanders on the back end to cover up all their deficiencies. They had Gary Bracken in the middle and middle linebacker. And then their front four consisted of Robert Mathis, Dwight Freeney, and Monte Rager. And as far and 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 as far as their pass defense goes, they didn't allow anything over the top. They kept everything in front of them. They played cover two, cover three. And They kept everything in front of them and didn't allow anything over the top. That's what San Francisco's defense reminds me of. And it is beautiful to to watch. And D'Amico Ryans has done a phenomenal job with this defense. Next up, I want to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo really, really quickly. And I'm sure a lot of you out there have really noticed it and really paid attention to it. But it's becoming more and more evident now in these playoffs as it probably has in years past. When Kyle Shanahan gives Jimmy Garoppolo even a little bit of leeway to take control of the offense, Jimmy Garoppolo will make a boneheaded make a boneheaded mistake and make a boneheaded interception, like he did against the Dallas Cowboys that almost cost him that game last week in the wild card round. And then when he had a chance to hit Brandon Ayuk for a touchdown. Midway to late in the second quarter, but he threw the ball late, and Eric Stokes picked it off. What did Kyle Shanahan do after that? Kyle Shanahan, for a good portion of the second half, took the ball out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands, ran the football, and when Kyle Shanahan needed to put the put the ball in Jimmy G's hands to make a to make a big time throw to Debo to make a big time throw to George Kittle, he did it. So when 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 Jimmy Garoppolo gets a little bit of the reins at the quarterback position to kind of put the team on his back a little bit to make a big-time throw, whether it be midway through the first quarter or midway through the second quarter, and Jimmy G throws a pick, Kyle Shanahan kind of has to rein Jimmy G back in like, come on, nope, 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 no more of that, no more of that, and we're going to get back to running the football. And that's what the San Francisco 49ers did, which eventually led to them. Bottom line is this. They won that football game in Lambeau in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo. They won that game despite of how despite how poorly he played. It's just that simple. But next up, ladies and gentlemen, the Los Angeles Rams took on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tampa. And bottom line is this, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or excuse me, the Los Angeles Rams, dominated this game. They literally dominated this game up until the last 24 seconds of the first half, when Cam Akers got stripped by Antoine Winfield. But then after that, in the beginning of the second half, Rams get the ball back. They don't do anything with it. Bucks get the ball they don't do anything with it. The Rams get the ball back, drive back down the field, and they put up a rushing touchdown with Matthew Stafford to go up 27 to 3. The Bucks get the ball back. They drive down the field to go to kick a field goal and cut the lead from 27 to 3 to 27 to 6. But then at the start of the set of the at the start of the fourth quarter, this is where it gets this is where it gets insane. The Rams get the ball back to start the sec to start the fourth quarter. Center ran. Center Brian Allen snaps the ball over Matthew Stafford's head. Literally snaps the ball over his head. Okay. I I I mean this is crazy. I mean he literally snaps the ball over his head right after. Vaughn. I mean he literally snaps the ball at, over his head. Bef- and 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 again this took place after Vaughn Miller strip sack Tom Brady, okay? But the but center Brian Allen snaps the ball over Matthew Stafford's head. The Bucks recover it on defense but do nothing with the possession. The Rams get the ball back. They drive back down the field to kick a field goal. Matt Gay comes up short, misses a 47-yard field goal. The Bucks get the ball back. They don't do anything with it. The Rams get the ball back. They don't do anything with it. But then the Bucks get the ball back with about 356 left in the fourth quarter and and Tom Brady hits Mike Evans for for a 55-yard bomb over top of Jalen Ramsey to cut the lead from 27 to 13 to 27 to 20. But then but then the Rams get the ball back, and this is where I just could not believe that this happened. They give the ball to, Cameron, to Cam Akers again, and Cam Akers fumbles again, which eventually led to Leonard Fournette scoring a second rushing touchdown of the game, tying the game at 27 apiece. At this point, I'm thinking to myself, I'm literally watching this game, and I'm thinking, the Bucks going to win this game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to win this football game. That's what I am thinking in my head. But, but, but what? But what does Matthew Stafford do? Okay. Honestly, what does he do? He drives right back down the field, and he makes two clutch throws to Cooper Cup, one near the sideline, and Todd Bowles goes all out blitz, and Matthew Stafford throws a rainbow. He throws a rainbow to Cooper Cup over the top, completes it, and puts the Rams in position to kick a 30-yard field goal and win the game. And the Rams and the 49ers will meet for the third time this year, but this time it's for a trip to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC Championship game. One of the, one of the most wild football games I have ever seen in my life. In my life. But then it gets better, okay? It gets better because the Bills and Chiefs game was even more crazy. I've never seen better quarterback play in my life than what I saw with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, okay? 25 points in the last two minutes of that game that was scored by both teams, Josh Allen, I'm gotta. i, I I'm being honest, I feel bad for Josh Allen, and here's why I feel bad for him. He played the best game of his career, stats-wise. Josh Allen went 27 of 37, 329 yards, four touchdowns, and had, a, and had a QB rating of 136.0. Rushed 11 times for 68 yards and still lost. And why did he lose that football game? He lost because of the simple fact that he left Patrick Mahomes too much time. And who would ever think that when you leave Patrick Mahomes 13 seconds, that even that is too much time. Patrick Mahomes made a throw in this game around late second quarter. Patrick Mahomes made a throw in this game where... If you go back and watch it, it is literally unreal. He made a throw in the second quarter of this game. Bill's rookie pass rusher Gregory Rousseau was coming at him, and as he's coming at him, Patrick Mahomes makes an underhanded throw. Gregory Rousseau literally tries to put his arms up to block the to block the pass and knock it down. The ball literally scrapes underneath Gregory Rousseau's elbow. It scraped his elbow and it and it and it ended up being a completion. Or it ended up falling incomplete. I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly. But that throw was just absolutely unfreaking believable. Now like I said before, I feel bad for Josh Allen. A lot of people out there are probably saying that Josh Allen and the Bills deserve to get the ball in overtime. Bottom line is this, and I'm just gonna simply say this. The Bills had a chance to stop the Chiefs from putting up points at the end of regulation. They failed to do so. They 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 had a chance to stop the stop the Chiefs in overtime on defense. They failed to do so. Stop complaining. This was a damn good football game. And congratulations to the Chiefs for pulling out the victory. Congratulations to Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills for having won a hell of a season. It was a hell of a football game. And I am so glad to have been a part of that. I am so glad to have been a part of that and to have witnessed that. But coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you guys why the Brooklyn Nets... Are going to be in trouble within the next few months also i'm going to tell you guys why why the Tennessee Titans may be in the in the in the market for a quarterback and i'm going to give you guys my my NFL conference championship predictions that 's coming up. Stay tuned all right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. I want to talk about Ryan Tannehill really really quickly. I believe the Tennessee Titans will be in the running for a quarterback. This cause this coming off season. Why do I say that? Ryan Tannehill is in the second to last year of a four-year contract that he signed after the 2019 season. But at the end of the day, Ryan Tannehill is 33 years old, and you are, and he is coming off of the worst playoff game of his career. In my opinion, when you play like Ryan Tannehill did, you're 33 years old and you're coming up on the back half of a four-year contract, that is not good. So in my opinion, it would not surprise me one bit if the Tennessee Titans say, you know what, we don't trust Ryan Tannehill moving forward. We're going to move on from him, and we're going to be in the market either for either for a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers or a Jimmy Garoppolo, or we're going to go into the draft and get a quarterback. It would not surprise me one damn bit if that happens. I could be wrong, but with the way that game ended, I believe that game left a bad, bad taste in Tennessee Titans GM John Robinson's mouth. And that's not a good thing. Next up, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna talk about the Brooklyn Nets. As we all know, KD, Kyrie, and James Harden joined forces in Brooklyn. KD, Kyrie joined via free agency. James Harden joined via trade. But as of a few weeks ago to about a month ago, an article came out that James Harden was open to a trade and open to a trade and a new scenery next season. That um, When I saw that article kind of threw me off a little bit. I'm like, okay, why would James Harden do this all of a sudden? Well if you fast forward to today there was an article that came out in Bleacher Report. According to Bleacher Report's Jake Fisher sources explain why James Harden would welcome a new scenery next season which is the same article that came out about a few weeks ago to about a month ago that said James Harden would be open to a trade and a new change of scenery next season. Here's a quote according to someone who's familiar with James Harden, who knows him, I guess. Quote, James Harden isn't going to hold back to the person familiar with Harden. He's going to tell you where he stands. End quote. Harden has been vocal to the to Nets figures and close contacts alike, about his frustrations regarding Kyrie Irving's part-time playing status, an injury, and a recent injury to Kevin Durant has exacerbated the issue, leaving Harden to shoulder the majority of the offensive burden during Brooklyn's home games. And another reason why James Harden wants out of Brooklyn—it's where he lives in Brooklyn. Check this out: his new city could also be an issue, according to multiple sources. Harden has not enjoyed living in Brooklyn compared to his days as a central Houston magnate outside of the change in climate. The chasm between state taxes in New York versus versus Texas is quite obvious as well. Bottom line is this James Harden is leaving because he is not putting up with with Kyrie's part time playing bullcrap, And not only that, Brooklyn, in my opinion, Brooklyn's going to trade Kyrie Irving because Brooklyn, because Sean Marks and Steve Nash are not going to put up with Kyrie Irving's bullcrap. Kyrie Irving wore out his welcome in Boston and he was injury prone. He wore out his welcome in Cleveland and he was injury prone and he's wearing out his welcome in Brooklyn and he's injury prone. Sean Marks and Steve Nash may not say that privately that they're done with Kyrie Irving, but, or or excuse me, they may not say it publicly that they're done with Kyrie, that that they're done with Kyrie, but privately, they're done with Kyrie and they're going to trade him. And then you got James Harden. James Harden is probably more than likely going to leave after this season. He's probably going to end up in Philadelphia with with Joel Embiid and Daryl Morey. So where does that leave James Harden, or excuse me, where does that leave Kevin Durant? Kevin Durant, in my opinion, it would not surprise me one damn bit if after this season, Kevin Durant demands a trade. Now he can't opt out. He can't opt out of his contract because he signed a three-year extension during the 2021 offseason. So he can't opt out of his contract. But I believe that, I believe this will happen. Kyrie Irving gets traded. James Harden leaves in free agency. Kevin Durant looks at this situation as I've been hurt the last couple of years. I've been carrying the offensive load because my teammate is too damn selfish and Kyrie to want to help me. Kyrie Irving even said it himself. He said he even said he even said it himself to the media. Kyrie Irving said to the media that Je- that Kevin Durant getting hurt is not going to change his opinion of of getting vaccinated and being there for his team during home games. Kyrie Irving said that. So, again, with Kyrie Irving possibly getting traded, which I believe he will, James Harden, James Harden possibly leaving for free agency, which I think he will, and and Kevin Durant looking at this situation as being by with him being by himself, it would not surprise me one bit if Kevin Durant says I'm demanding a trade and I want out of Brooklyn would not surprise me one damn bit if he does that this offseason. Would not surprise me at all. But next up, ladies and gentlemen, earlier on today, Sean Payton announced that he was stepping down as new as the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. And here's why I believe that that's going to create a domino effect. Sean Payton is stepping down as head coach of the Saints. I believe that New Orleans is going to trade Michael Thomas, but also I believe this factors in to Alvin Kamara as well. I believe Alvin Kamara loves Sean Payton. And I believe with Michael Thomas more than likely getting traded and Sean Payton leaving, Alvin Kamara is not going to want to stay there on his own and I believe Alvin Kamara is going to probably demand a trade from the New Orleans Saints. That's just my thought on that. I could be wrong, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. But those are my but but that's my that's my thought on Sean Payton and him stepping down as the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. But next up, ladies and gentlemen, I want to give you guys my conference championship predictions for the NFL. First up, the NFC Championship game. I believe this game is going to be close. I believe this game is going to be physical. But at the end of the day, this game is going to come down to which team's quarterback can avoid making the boneheaded mistake first in this football game. Can Jimmy Garoppolo avoid costing San Fran a trip to the Super Bowl? Can Matthew Stafford avoid costing the Rams a trip to the Super Bowl? This game is going to simply come down to which team's play caller, Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay, can put Jimmy Garoppolo or Matthew Stafford in a position where he does not have to carry the load until late in the football game. I believe the 49ers' front four defensively is going to cause problems for the Rams. Kyle Shanahan owns Sean McVay, and I believe the 49ers knock off the Los Angeles Rams 30-22. to Next up the AFC Championship game. I believe this game is going to be close. It's going to be high scoring, but ultimately I believe that the Kansas City Chiefs will come up big defensively. Tyron Matthew will play, but I believe this game is going to be just as good as the Chiefs Bills game. I believe the Chiefs win this game. It's going to be high scoring, but I just believe believe that Joe Burrow and the Bengals aren't going to have enough and I believe the Chiefs win 36 to 30 and 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 for my prediction you will get a rematch of the Super Bowl a couple of years ago with the 49ers and the Chiefs. You will get you will get you will get Super Bowl 56 49ers and Chiefs. But coming up next ladies and gentlemen, you know what time it is. It's going to be time for me to leave you with something to think about. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. You know what time it is. It's time for me to leave you with something to think about. In honor of Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the AFC Championship game for the fourth consecutive year in a row at Arrowhead, I bring up the year 2002. Why do I bring up the year 2002? Because that is the year that John Gruden, Brad Johnson, Keenan McCardell, John Lynch, Derrick Brooks, Warren Sapp, Simeon Rice, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all went to at that time Veteran Stadium to take on Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb and Deuce Staley and Brian Dawkins and the Philadelphia Eagles. And as we all know, Tampa ended up winning that game, heading, heading to and they headed to Super Bowl Thirty Seven to take on the then Oakland Raiders and Rich Gannon and Bill Callahan and Jerry Rice and Tim Brown, and the Bucks absolutely absolutely smashed the Raiders, forty eight to twenty seven. But what if? Let's flip the script for a second. What if the Philadelphia Eagles had won that game? What if they had won the 2002 NFC Championship game, and they had played Rich Gannon and the Oakland Raiders in the in the Super Bowl in Super Bowl 37? That literally would have been a rematch of Super Bowl 15, 21 years prior. When Dick Vermeil and Ron Jaworski and the Philadelphia Eagles took on Jim Plunkett, Gene Upshaw, Tom Flores, and the then Oakland Raiders. Which, by the way, the Raiders smashed Philadelphia in that Super Bowl as well. But what if Andy Reid would have won that game and played Rich Gannon and the Raiders in that Super Bowl? What if? How would the Eagles have matched up against the Raiders in that game? If the if the if the Eagles win that game, does and, and the Eagles win a chance and the Eagles win that championship? Does Andy Reid ever leave Philadelphia? What if the Raider? What if the Raiders win that Super Bowl? What if the Raiders win that championship? Tim Brown ends up getting a ring. Andy Reid, and, and and here's the thing, if Andy Reid never leaves, if Andy Reid wins that championship, he never leaves Philadelphia, which means if he never leaves Philadelphia, then the Chiefs probably will, then the Chiefs probably more than likely, obviously, never draft Patrick Mahomes, but that's why, ladies and gentlemen, that's why. This is what if. Thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the I'm Just Saying podcast. I am your host, Jared Dawkins. I hope all of you out there enjoy Conference Championship weekend, as I know I will. I hope all I hope all of you out there continue to stay safe socially distance yourselves if you would like to follow me on social media you can follow me at quiet soul 24 q u i e t s o u l 24 or you can follow me on facebook at jared dawkins j-a-r-e-d dawkins d-a-w-k-i-n-s thank you all for tuning in thank you for listening i'm out peace